Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you once again for who you are and what you are to us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. We know that you're here. We don't have to ask you to be here, but we do ask that you'll help us to sense your presence. We do ask, Lord, to experience you in a fresh new way, Lord, and that we'll leave this place encouraged, instructed, and just ready to do whatever it is you'll have us to do throughout the remainder of this night and throughout the remainder of this week. So equip us, O Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and through your word. And Lord, I'm um, just thankful, Lord, to be able to break the bread of your word with your people. Uh, take it seriously. I know, Lord, that uh, you know definitely going to be held responsible if I'm not uh, doing it the right way. And so, Father, I ask for a fresh filling of your spirit. And I ask you, Lord, to equip me to just rightly divide your word of truth, Lord. Help me to decrease while you increase and you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, We are still in Genesis chapter 1, and tonight the plan is to cover verses 26 through 31, and the title of the study is In His Image, In His Image, His uh, being, of course, God. And so first, I wanted to um, just start with the refresher of the previous verses in chapter 1 of Genesis, um, which is also kind of a recap of our first lesson in this book. So on day one, there was light. And um, I believe this was a supernatural light, probably speaking of the glory of God, because remember in the new heavens and new earth, there won't be a need of any sun or moon there, but the Lord himself is going to be the light. Um, On day two, there was the firmament or the expanse of sky, and it separated the waters below the sky from the waters above it. So there was like this, this water canopy um, around the earth at one point. And then on day three, dry land appeared as the waters that covered the earth were gathered together. Um, and then vegetation, plants, and trees were also created on day three of creation. And by the way, I believe these are 24-hour um, days. And so I covered a little bit of that in the first study. Um, if you want to go back and review. Uh, But on day four, God created the sun, moon, and stars. So it is possible to have light without the sun. And the moon, in regard to the moon, that is just, it doesn't have its own light, but it reflects light. And then, of course, the stars, of course, were created on day four. On day five, the sea creatures and birds were created. And then also on day six, the cattle or the livestock were created, as well as the creeping things. So like those creatures that crawl. So that would include insects and uh, probably, you know, reptiles and most amphibians and probably uh, uh, small mammals. Um, And then you had the beast or the wildlife, which would include dinosaurs, were created on day six. And so we paused in the middle of day six. And so we'll finish the rest of day six today. Uh, But not only did the Lord give the, earth, give the earth form, so in other words, he gave the earth light, sky, 
um, the gathering of the waters, land. And so he gave the earth form, in other words. But not only did that happen, but he also filled the void. Because remember in verse 2 of Genesis 1, it said that the earth was without form and void. So he formed it, then he filled the void. And we still haven't gotten to humans yet, but once again, we're going to get to the humans today. And then in regard to the land animals, as a refresher, the land animals and birds, by the way, were said to have been brought forth from the earth or the ground. And every living thing was created, by the way, in its full or mature form. So everything was created in its full or mature form. And we're also going to see and come to understand that even uh, the first uh, man and the first woman were created as full adults as well. And so um, I mentioned that because, you know, some people say the earth is this many years, billions of years, whatever years old. But um, God created the earth with the appearance of age, just like he did with the humans and these animals that were created in a mature form. And then, of course, these animals, they gave birth to their own species. Uh, they didn't um, go through evolution or whatever and, and become another species. A dog didn't become a cat or vice versa, or you didn't have some little water cell, you sail in the water from the sludge or whatever, all of a sudden becoming whatever creature and, and, and just evolving like that. And, and we are going to cover... Um, the flaws of evolution, by the way, which uh, I plan for that to be uh, the next study, just following Genesis chapter one. So that wasn't in the plan uh, from the get go. But after studying Genesis chapter one, I just sense that maybe some people are going to be wondering, well, what about evolution? What about uh, people who hold to this theory and they say this or that? And it seems to contradict the creation narrative. And so um, just today, I just had my heart stirred to, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and cover the flaws of the theory of evolution after we finish Genesis chapter 1, and then we're going to move, Lord willing, into Genesis chapter 2. And so just to let you know, these animals and humans, of course, gave birth to their own species. And once again, we covered that um, in the previous lesson. Um, another thing we covered in the previous lesson is that God spoke the universe and our world, the earth, into existence, and he created out of nothing. He created out of nothing. That is something that only God can do, create out of nothing. And so once again, today, um, we're going to finish up Genesis chapter 1 and also that sixth day of creation. And so we're going to look at verse 26 in Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So now, um, look at what God said. He said, Let us. And so just so you know, he was not talking to angels. He was not talking to angels. For example, the next verse even tells us that mankind, that humans were made in the image of God. 
it is clear in verse 27 that we were made in the image of God. So when he says, let us make man in our image, he's not talking to angels. And so here, once again, we see a hint at the Trinity, at the triune nature of God, three persons in one, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See, the first hint of the Trinity is something that we saw early on in verse one of Genesis chapter one. And the first hint is the word God. And that word God in the Hebrew is Elohim. Now, the I am or the im ending is the Hebrew plural ending. Therefore, Elohim is a plural name, but it has a singular meaning. So there's three in one. Scriptures teach us that God is one. Getting still, there's this plurality there. There's seem to be more than one. And there's this conversation going on in the Godhead where he says, let us make man in our image. But not only do we see this interaction in the Godhead in in verse 26, but we see it throughout scripture. We see it in the Old Testament where the father is speaking to the son. But also in the New Testament, we see Jesus, the son of God, speaking to the father, praying to the father. And so this interaction within the Godhead has been going on from eternity. And so this is not anything new, but the question remains, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? There's a Latin term called the Imago Dei. What what does it mean? What does Imago Dei mean? What does it mean, the image of God? We are made in his image. You see, image or likeness often refers to a physical representation of something that is non-material. You see, an image may be similar, but not necessarily identical to the original. So he made humans similar to him, but not necessarily identical to him. Humans are made in the image of God. So it doesn't mean that we physically look like God because the scriptures tell us in John chapter four, verse 24, for example, as Jesus is talking to the to the Samaritan woman at the well, says God is spirit. And Jesus says after his resurrection, when they thought he was a spirit, he says, hey, uh, spirit doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. The scriptures also tell us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so we're not invisible and we're not spirit. But yet and still we are made in the image or likeness of God. Uh, We are physical representation of God. And so whatever is meant by the fact that mankind or humans are made in the image or likeness of God, that means it would include those aspects of the human nature that no other animal has, that no other creature has. So we are different. We are unique in all of God's creation made in his image. So when we say that or when. We read that we were made in the image of God. One of the things it could mean is that we were created with a moral likeness to God. 
When, when humans were created, there was no sin. There was perfection. And, and even now, in the state that we're in, we're, even, we're still able to make moral judgments. We still have a moral compass, in other words, a conscience, to where we know a basic sense. We have this basic sense of right and wrong. And so we're made in the image of God. That's one example. But also man like God has intellect. We can think. And also like God, we have the ability to choose. We have free will. God can choose and, and so can humans. We can choose. Why? Once again, because we're made in the image and likeness of God. This was the plan as you see the discussions being made here within the Godhead in verse 26. This is the plan. And then when he designed and he formed man's body, he enabled our bodies to function physically in ways that he could function even without the same body we have. For example, the scriptures say that God can see, he can hear, he can smell, he can touch, he can speak, he can think, and he can plan. And physically within the bodies he created for us, we're able to function in these various ways created in his image. It also means that humans, men and women, were created as representatives of God in this world, on this planet. Another thing to think about when we talk about being made in the image of God is the fact that God is a trinity. I threw that out before, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but yet one God. Almost like a triangle, three points, but yet one triangle. But God is a superior trinity. Man was created. Humans were created as an inferior trinity. God, of course, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When he made man, we were or are body, soul, and spirit. An inferior trinity. But, of course, when man fell, that spirit part of us died. That's why we were born spiritually dead. That's why we need to be born again. Because the spirit is not in the right place. It's, it's dead. There's no relationship with God. But when men, when humans were created, when I say man here in this context, I'm talking about men and women, humans, mankind. Once again, created as an inferior trinity. Of course, we know what the body is. With this body, we can interact with the world. We can touch the chair. We can sit down in the chair. We can, we can eat food. And I know I lost a little bit of weight, but those of you who saw me when I was way many pounds heavier, you can tell that I liked food. I still like it. If anybody wants to know, my favorite food is chili cheese fries. So <laughs> I do like Chinese food as well. Actually, I could provide you a list if you want, but we don't have time. But, but our bodies, we can interact with the world that we live in with these bodies. We, we can hug our family members and so forth. We can type on our laptop. 
press on our screens to flip to the next scripture if we have a Bible app to interact with the physical world, with our bodies. But when we talk about the soul, we talk about the life essence of the body. So when the soul leaves the body, the separation takes place. That's death. So it's the life essence of the body. The soul is the area of the emotions. It's the area of the will and, and consciousness. But then there's spirit. The spirit, of course, is also the immaterial part of man. And, and, and that part of us, the spirit, is how we connect with God. That's why when a person is spiritually dead, they have no connection with God. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, in talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're, you need this birth from above. You need a rebirth. You need a new nature in order to have this connection with God. And that's why Jesus can tell the Samaritan woman that, that uh, God is looking for those people who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. He didn't say to, to worship him just physically. He didn't say to worship him and have a soulish experience where it's all about emotion. No, we worship him in spirit and in truth. But first, we need our spirits to be alive. We need to be born again because it's on the level of the spirit that we communicate with God. And so like no other creatures that were created, Humans, we are the only ones who are capable of fellowshipping with and worshiping God made in his image. Imago Dei. Verse 27. So God created man. He created mankind, human beings in his own image. And so that's how I know. So right there in his own image. That's how I know that God was not talking to angels when he said, let us make man in verse 26, just a lot of times the Bible will clarify itself. Just keep reading. So he created man in his own image, in the image of God, not angels, not anything else. He created him. Listen, male and female, he created them. And so in verse 26, we saw God's plan. That was his plan. It was the discussion within the Godhead between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. We saw the plan. And now in verse 27, God carried out the plan. It materialized. He made mankind. And according to Genesis chapter 2, man's body will be formed from the dust of the earth. In the same way, the bodies of the animals have been formed. Again, you have to look at Genesis chapter 2 for that. You have to skip ahead for that. And similarly, man would have the breath of life like animals. However, once again, humans are the only creatures that are made in God's image or his spiritual likeness. And just how God's plan for the creation of humans came to fruition so once again, remember verse 26, we saw his plan. We saw him getting, you saw the blueprint, the blueprint, the discussion within the Godhead. So just how that was planned from eternity. And then the plan fell out into time. Remember, God is the creator of time and he actually created humans. 
So just like how God's plan came to fruition here in verses 26 and 27, one day you're going to see God's plan come to fruition in your life. And I like in the model prayer when, when Jesus uh, shows them how to pray, he asked them, he asked the Lord that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the plan is created in heaven in eternity, but it's going to fall out into time on this earth. And one day we're going to see God's plan come to fruition. So maybe there's some things in your life personally that just out of whack. They're out of place. They bother you to the point where you can't sleep. They bother you to the point where you become emotional just talking about it, maybe just thinking about it because nothing is lining up for you. But but God has a plan. And in time, his plan for your life, his plan for your particular situation will fall out into time, just like we see in verses 26 and 27, as we saw the blueprint for man to be created in his image. And now we see it come to fruition and his plan for the earth is also going to come come to fruition during that millennial kingdom when Christ reigns over the earth for a thousand years, literally reigning from his headquarters in Jerusalem. And we're going to rule and reign with him as his assistants. He doesn't need us, but he's going to allow us to rule and reign with him. And as believers, we're going to be ruling and reigning with him in our glorified bodies. And we're going to see his plan for the earth come to fruition. We're going to see things fall into place. You're going to see, oh, this is how government should be. This is how the earth should have been run. Oh, this is how God wanted Adam and and Eve to, to, to rule over the earth, to have dominion over the earth. This is how he wanted it to be done. So God himself, Jesus Christ is going to show us himself how things are supposed to be done when it comes to dominion on the earth. And so that plan that's created in eternity will fall into place. Not only do we see that and pull that out as, as far as application is concerned, but one thing that is obvious, and I have to mention this, so I'm not picking on any one group, but it has to be mentioned because so many lies are being told. But this might surprise some of the people out there, not not you in here, but there are only two genders, male and female, male and female. He created them. That's it. There's no they them. Male and female. You know, God kept it simple, even though he kept it simple. People still mess it up. Male and female, he created them. And guess what? It didn't change in the New Testament because Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. In the beginning, God created them male and female. It doesn't change. Why doesn't it change? Because it's truth. Truth doesn't change. Doesn't matter what language you speak, no matter where you live, no matter how old a person is, whatever the case is, truth doesn't change. But there's so much confusion. But but I know there wouldn't be 
as much confusion about something as simple as how many genders there are if they were to read the word and receive the word as a final authority. Why is it the final authority? Because it is the word of God. And that confusion that exists in this world in regard, there's confusion about many things, but we're just speaking about genders right now because that's where we are in verse 27. The confusion that exists in this world in regard to gender is due to the enemy because scriptures tell us that God is not the author of confusion. So if he's not the author of confusion, then who is? Satan. They're demonic spirits, these fallen angels. They want to confuse people. They want to keep people away from what's best for them. And, and so it's really sad when people lie to them and pat them on the back in regard to sin. It's sad that they think they're being loving. Oh, just go ahead and, and yeah, just live your life. That's cruel. Why is it cruel? Because they're pushing people further away from what is best for them. And only God knows what's best for them. And that is for people to receive his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And so tonight, I would encourage you to pray. Those of us who have a relationship with God through Jesus to pray against this confusion because maybe this confusion has hit your home. Maybe this confusion has hit your extended family or maybe your, your friends or associates. And I know many of you are seeing it in your workplace. I would encourage you to pray. To pray. And if you're in a workplace where the confusion is being propagated, being um, just put out there and supported, I want you to see that job where God has placed you as your mission field. And every time you wake up, every time the Lord blesses you to wake up, ask the Lord, how can you minister to them? How can you share the gospel with them to open doors for you? Now, I'll tell you just, just personally before I, I came here and came on staff full time, I, I was working at a college and it, it was going that way. But, and I was miserable because I was the only Christian on staff. But, and I, I remember, you know, applying for different jobs, IT jobs and all this stuff and nothing was working out. Everything was just falling apart. But then when I started seeing, I, I had God's point of view and start seeing them as my mission field. And I, and I pretty much look forward to going to work. I, I know they don't agree with my stances. I know they don't serve the true and the living God. But, but I prayed that the Lord would open doors for me to share the gospel and, and so forth. So I had some good conversations with many of my coworkers. And when, once I got comfortable once I got to the place where I wasn't running from something, then God opened up a door for me to come on staff. And God is so wise. He is so wise that he didn't put it on Pastor Jim's heart to tell me to pray about coming on staff while I had that attitude of, oh, I'm miserable. I don't want to be here. 
While I had that attitude, he didn't put it on Pastor Jim's heart to ask me to pray about coming on staff. Because if he would have, this is the wisdom of God, then I, I would have been running from something instead of running to something. And what I was running to, because God changed my heart about how I saw that position at, at that job. When God changed my heart, then God put it on, like I said, Pastor Jim's heart to ask me to pray about it. So like I said, I, I felt like I was running to my calling. And so I'd encourage you that, that maybe this gender confusion is there at your school or at your job. Pray for them. Pray for opportunities to share with them. In verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so the man and the woman, they were given commands. One command they were given is to reproduce. Of course, this is something that only a biological male and biological female can do. This is God's design. And by the way, it was not necessary for them to sin in order to have sexual relations and reproduce. He told them to reproduce before the fall. But, but another thing that we see here, the fact that they were told to reproduce, is that everyone came from one blood. And, and so technically, there really are no other races as far as the world defined it, defines it. There's only one race. It's the human race. We came from one blood. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 The first part of verse 26 says this, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. One race, human race. That's why people who have different skin colors, different ethnic backgrounds can still come together and have a human baby. It's It's a human race. We just some of us just look a little different. But another command he gave them besides the fact of reproducing is to rule over the earth and the creatures, creatures on the earth on behalf of God. And they were to act as his representatives as they were to uh, rule over the earth. Including all of the creatures of the earth. Verses 29 and 30, it says, and God said, see, I have given you every herb or plant. That yields seed, which is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you. It shall be for food. Also to every beast. That is every non-domesticated animal. Of the earth to every bird of the air or sky and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb. I have given the plants and, and so forth vegetation for food. And it was so. And so before the fall, before the flood, there was no there were no meat eaters. Because there was no death until after the fall, first off. And so no no one was eating meaters, not even the animals. 
Everyone was on a vegetarian diet. However, like I said, meat eating was permitted after the flood. And so just in case somebody's wondering, well, am I supposed to be eating meat now? Do I have to give up that steak, those ribs? No, you don't. Uh, First Timothy four verses one through five. This is what it says. Now, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods. Watch this, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. So if you want to have a steak, <laughs> enjoy that steak. When I have chicken, enjoy the chicken. Now, I would say this to use wisdom because some people have certain health conditions where they shouldn't be eating cake all the time <laughs> or ice cream every day. I mean, so use some wisdom. I mean, some people should be baking chicken at this point due to health conditions or whatever instead of frying it. And so, I mean, every once in a while, fry it. And if you fry the chicken, invite me. Just kidding. But, <laughs> but enjoy the food because, like I said, it's been sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And in fact, in that vision in Acts, that God gave to Peter while he was on the roof and he was starving. There were two messages there with the sheep that kept going up and down and all the various animals. And, and the Lord told him to kill and eat. He's like, no, I'm never eating anything common. And God said, don't call anything that I've cleaned common. So, so there were two messages. One was go ahead and eat. We see it there. First uh, Timothy four. Uh, verses, you know, four and five. But then the larger message from that was that he was talking about the Gentiles as well, because after that, uh, Peter got sent to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. So there were two messages wrapped up in that, in that vision that Peter received. But then we see here. So, so one thing that you'll notice, though, and I didn't touch on this, is that we can tell one way we can tell we are in the last days or in the latter days is that it says that some will try to command us to abstain from certain foods. And notice that today there's some people, there are some organizations, there's some people in government who are advocating that we stop eating meat or beef. So now you have, you know, cows being destroyed just out of the blue. And then they encourage people to find other sources of nourishment or perhaps become vegetarian or start eating grass. I'm not eating a grasshopper or a cricket. Why? Why? What is their message? What is their reasoning behind this? Because they say that meat takes a toll on the environment. And so they're worshiping. So we should be good stewards of the earth, but we should not be worshiping the earth. And unfortunately, that's what you're seeing. And so once again, use wisdom when it comes to food. In verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. 
So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so when we read this verse, verse 31, back in Genesis chapter 1, it should help answer the question. And here's the question. Why did God make evil? Why did he create evil people? Why did he create a world with trouble, etc.? The, the, the answer is God did not make evil. He didn't make everything evil. He didn't create Satan as he is. He created, when, he created Lucifer and then he became Satan. Then he became the devil because he used his free will to do evil. That pride rose up in his heart. He wanted to take the place of God. And a third of the angels used their free will to, to fall with or to go along with Lucifer and they fell. And so some angels and Adam and Eve and many of us today use our free will to do evil, but that's not how God created it because it says here, as he was finished with creation, indeed, it was very good. And so what God did create, he did create angels and he did create people who had the potential to do evil, but he didn't create evil itself. He created creatures who had the potential to do evil and he gave them the freedom to choose. And so really the blame is on us, not God. And God right now is cleaning up our mess. But what I find interesting is people who claim to not believe in God, to be atheists. What I find interesting is that when something bad happens, they blame God. But the blame is on us, mankind. There there are demons, spiritual wickedness out there. And so we need to remember that this, this is not how God created things to run, but, but thank God that he has a plan in place. And he's, and he's going to clean up this mess that was created by man and even by Satan. And so God did not create humans in the image of stones. He did not create humans in the image of birds or any type of animal. He didn't create humans in the image of plants. But when God created us, when he made man, he made man in his image. And the beautiful thing about that is man was the highlight of God's creation in those literal six days of creation. Therefore, we are valued by God and we see his value for us in his provision for us. The fact that he provides for us, we see his value for us. Matthew 6 Verses 25 and 26 says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. 
And here's our word value. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than the birds of the sky, the birds of the air? We are the highlight of his creation. People made in the image of the eternal God. We we are so valued by God that we even see his value for us and in the in the punishment for murdering a human. In, in Genesis 9, uh, verse 6, as he's talking to Noah, we see that the punishment for murdering another human is the death penalty because humans are made in this image. And by the way, he gave that authority to the government in Romans chapter 13. That's how much God values human. We also see God's value for us, people made in his image. We see it in his rescue plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, his unique son. The Greek word, we covered it before, is monogenes, his unique son. There is no other like Jesus. He always was, always will be the son of God. The son in a functional sense, not biological son. Because Jesus, once again, is fully God and fully man. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in Jesus for salvation, they will not perish, but they're going to have everlasting life or eternal life. And so what we see there is that it's not in his perfect will to just get rid of his creation, the highlight of his creation, You and I who are made in his image. No, he wants to redeem us. And because we're valued by God, we we should be in awe of that. Just like the psalmist in Psalm 8, verses 4 through 8. In Psalm 8, verses 4 through 8, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him, you made mankind to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. So because we are so valued by the Lord, we, we should be, we should just be in awe. Lord, who are we that you will bless us in this way? We're not the servant, but, but yet you bless us. We should be in awe of his value for us because we don't add, tell you the truth. I, I know some of you think you're cute. Well, some, you know, I'm not, <laughs> you look good. Let me get that out. I don't want any emails. You look good, but some of us, we think we, 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 we so much, so cute, or we're all that to the point where we think that we add something to God. We don't. He, he doesn't need us, but, but yet and still, he blesses us, and he has made man to have dominion over the works of his hands, so we should be in awe when you think about how much he values us. But because also we're valued by God, not only should we be in awe of him, but we also also should be mindful of our treatment of our fellow humans. 
Because when you read James chapter 3, he's talking about the tongue and, and how we folks, we haven't figured out a way to control it. In fact, James chapter 3 verse 9 says this. It says, with it, speaking of the tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or image of God. So, so when we mistreat, when we curse out, speak something bad about a, a fellow human, and I'm not talking about, you know, truth telling, in other words. So I'm not talking about going to somebody and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, according to the word of God, that's sin. That's truth telling. You're, you're helping. You're not going to them with, with pride. You're, 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 sharing, you're speaking the truth in love. I'm not talking about that. No, I'm talking about you have ill will, speaking crazy about them, cursing them out, calling them all kinds of names. But this is what's, what's according to this verse, this is what's going on. When, when you do that to a fellow human who was made in the image of God, you are taking an indirect slap at God because those people are made in his image. But we go to church, oh, praise the Lord. Then we go home and we curse out the husbands and wives and children. It got eerily quiet. <laughs> but, but this is the truth that is displayed here in God's word. So, yes, we are made in the image of God. But yes, that image of God, as you know it, has been marred. And as some Bible teachers would say, the image of God has been effaced, but not erased. So, so the image of God as, upon us as humans have been messed up because of sin, but it's not erased. You see in the New Testament here in James 3, 9, it still says we've been made in the similitude of God. And so it's been effaced, but not erased. However, there's some work to be done. And one thing that needs to be done is that if you haven't put your trust in Christ for salvation, if you never repented and put your faith in Christ, then that's something that needs to be done. Because when that happens, you become spiritually created in Christ. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 becomes true for you. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. That, that marred, that, that, that's, that uh, image that's been effaced has been passed away. That's talking about justification. Your position in him is, is what it is in Christ. You're no longer guilty. You're no longer sentenced to death spiritually. Justification. Justified, never sinned. Old things have passed away. Sins forgiven. Fresh new start. Behold, all things have become new. You become a new creation in Christ when you become born again. When you repent and put your faith in Christ. That's what happens. But then you go through this process from justification where you're standing. That's your standing. You're justified. That's the first phase of salvation. Justification. 
You don't move from that. That's, that's, that's permanent. That's there. But the sanctification part, you need to cooperate with God. You need to submit to the power of his Holy Spirit through the sanctification process. Because now, as we live our lives, he wants us to become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to mold us into the image of Christ. That is God's goal for us. Romans eight twenty nine for whom he foreknew, who he knew beforehand. If you ever want to know God's plan for your life, God's goal for your life, here it is. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He planned beforehand for us as believers to be conformed into the image of his son. So that image of God has been messed up because of sin. But then you are a new creation in Christ. Not only that, but practically you're going to be conformed to the image of his son. Your thoughts are going to be more like Jesus. The words you speak are going to be more like Jesus. The things you do is going to be more like Jesus. The ministry that he has given to you is going to be more like Jesus. When he opened doors for you to witness to people, you're going to witness more like Jesus. You are being conformed into the image of his son through that process of sanctification. But once again, God wants your participation. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to choose to walk in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust or the desires of your flesh. So he predestined us, pre-planned us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So not only in this life, through the sanctification process, that we become conformed to the image of his son. But then in the final stage of salvation, glorification, we're actually going to receive glorified bodies similar to Jesus's glorified body. That's the final stage of salvation. And so in our walk spiritually, so forth, and then literally we'll be conformed to the image of Christ that image that has been marred, that image that has been messed up by sin. So, so tonight I would encourage you to be grateful that although the image of God in which God created us has been marred, has been messed up, uh, be grateful that he values us to the point that, that he has a plan to redeem us, that he has a plan to mold us and shape us into the image of Christ, that he's not like the rest of this throwaway world. When things don't work out, they just throw people away. They just throw things away. No, he values us. The image is marred, but he wants to fix it. He loves you that much. He values you that much. And maybe there's somebody who doesn't feel like your value. I'm going to tell you your feelings can lie to you. But the truth doesn't change. As the worship team comes to the, to the stage. The truth doesn't change. But your feelings may change. The truth is real, but, but your feelings, although they feel real, they may not be based on something that's real. For example, many of the things that that we fear don't even come to fruition. 
And then also in regard to our feelings, many of the people we think do not like us. They're not even thinking about you. But the truth remains the same. So, so if you don't feel valued today, remember this truth that, that you are so loved that, that God the Father sent the only begotten Son to die in your place on that cross. And, and that he has this wonderful plan for you to conform you into the image of Jesus, of his Son. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't lie to yourself. You are made in the image of of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are, what you are to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you created us in your image. And although we'll see in the garden, Adam and Eve sin, and that sin nature was passed on to the rest of us, that you have a plan. And for those of us who have taken up your offer of salvation, I thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would help us in the sanctification process to be more and more like Jesus every day that you give us to live on this side of heaven. I pray for anybody, Father, who's not a believer, that, Lord, you would remove the spiritual blinders that you would draw them to Christ. That, Father, you'll chip away at the hardness of their hearts. That they will realize how much they are loved and valued by you. You love every single person on the face of this planet. That's why we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us. Whether it's a sexual sin, uh, whether we stole something, whether we sinned with our speech, or maybe we were violent and you paid for all of those sins. Through Jesus Christ. And I just pray that you would draw them to yourself, Lord. And for those who are here, Lord, and or maybe online, they're watching and they don't feel valued because of how some person treated them or is treating them, or maybe something they've been told. I pray, Lord, that they would just. Seek out the truth in your word and see what you really think about them. See what you really say about them. And they will come to know that they were made in your image and that they are loved. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, but not your presence, that you bless us with traveling grace. Use us in a mighty way this week, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, 
how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.